This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am Mike Riccio, longtime personal trainer, professional strength coach, gym owner, and most importantly, a devoted modern father and husband. I've been fortunate to learn under some of the most intelligent minds in health and fitness over the past 15 years, as well as work with amazing clients and athletes. What I've most fallen in love with over the years is the power we have over our lives, the power to decrease risk of disease and injury, the power to reach our true potential, the deep abilities the body is capable of when all aspects of health are working simultaneously. On this podcast, you will learn the importance of preventative health and how to optimize your habits to optimize your life. All right, I've got a special treat for everybody. Today, you are hearing a crossover episode with good friend and comedian Joe Kilgallen. Joe's got a podcast of his own, so today's episode is going to end up on both of our platforms. That also means that we have a very mixed theme of topics. We talk some health, we talk some nutrition, we talk working out, we talk about being dads, but we also talk comedy and Joe's path and how he got into what he ended up doing. Joe had a really, really successful career in Los Angeles before he came back home. He's got two boys just like I do. He's also married to a nurse. So me and Joe have a lot in common. We had a lot of fun doing this. We had a lot of laughs. I know you will too. And as you'll hear at the beginning, it also took us a couple takes to get this one right. So uh, a lot of laughs on that as well. Enjoy this special theme. And as always, let me know what you think. Please rate and review. Welcome to a very special edition of the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, a.k.a. Kilgallen's Pub. Doing a little cross podcast here with a, a great dude. This guy um, has got an awesome story. I really respect the hell out of what he does. He is a business owner, and we'll get to that. Uh, a fitness expert and host a great podcast. And this is what we're doing. We're doing a little crossover. You know, those Dick Wolf shows do those crossover Chicago Med, Chicago PD. We're doing that in the podcast world. This is the Joe Kilgallen podcast meets Lifestyle as Medicine podcast. And let me introduce the host of that great podcast, the one, the only Mike Riccio. What's up, my man? Joe, buddy, what, what's going on? This is a long time coming, man. Long time coming. And let's just tell the yeah. listeners. Yeah, let's even do a do sound it. check with you beforehand. Am I okay? The, the sound's great. You sound great for the second time. Do you, do you want to tell everybody what the situation we're in right now? <laughs> yes, I will. So uh, Michael and I, I feel like I have to be a Joseph and you have to be a Michael for this because we're both disappointed parents and ourselves. <laughs> we recorded a podcast. Well, didn't record. We, we did a podcast. We yeah, basically right. had hour and 15 minute FaceTime with each other because neither of us hit record because we thought the other one had hit record. And uh, we're morons because of that. And it was a really hilarious ending to a podcast in which we were talking about working smarter, working more efficient. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're dads. We're also people who have uh, asked, you know, big dreams and aspirations. And you have to really manage your time wisely. <laughs> the basically, one of the themes of the podcast was time management, essentially. And then we, at the end, we realized, oh, we just wasted an hour and 20 minutes. You know, and I... It might have been like an hour and 40, by the way. I think you might even be giving us a little credit. It was, I've been thinking about it all day because it's been eating at me. And the one good thing I'm going to take out of this is there's some mystery for people now because last night truly was awesome. Like to talk for over an hour and a half, I was telling my wife, she goes, why didn't you ever ask about the recording thing? I said, truthfully, there was no draws. There was no stops. There was, it was like a nonstop free floating, awesome conversation and that's why I'm so upset about it. If it sucked last night, I would have been happy it didn't record. Yes. That, so, that's, uh, 
how it goes. Yeah. yeah. So everyone, just so you know, uh, now last night was just Matt and Joe's. That's it. It's our little our little private conversation we had now. I'll I'll carry it to my grave. <laughs> yeah. And that's a thing we talked about. We talked about both kind of uh, having a thinking about death more now that we're parents. We're gonna get right. We're gonna start off dark with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah you know, let's, let's just get out of the way right away. Yeah. We we dadded it up a lot yesterday. I liked a lot. So uh, well well we can start there if you want. Well, you know, it wasn't so much that we were, we didn't really get dark about it. We just both kind of talked about how, when we were younger, we thought maybe we'd be like hard ass type dads, but now we're more on the softer side. That doesn't mean either of us are going to be pushovers. It just means that we're like, Hey, be careful. And we both talked about how we, we, I, I don't, I'm pretty sure I admitted this. I don't know if you admitted this, Mike, but I cry at movies now where before I became a parent, I never cried at movies ever. No, no. I was just watching uh, before bedtime just now, the Will Smith one where he turns into a pigeon. Have you seen that one? I have not seen that one. It's the animated one and he, Will Smith's the main character, but the mom dies at the beginning, the very beginning of the other, of the kid. So I fast forwarded through the scene, just like you admitted yesterday you did through what, Lion King? Yeah, Lion King. My kid has no idea how Mufasa dies. <laughs> yeah. He thinks Mufasa was just a deadbeat dad who took off. <laughs> He's like, where Mufasa go? I'm like, ah, let's Scar had to take over. Mufasa had, he went to Europe. I don't know. He had to get off Africa. It happens. It happens. Let's move on. Yes. Move on. <laughs> yeah. We are, uh, we're different people than we were once upon a time. That's for sure. You know, like, and I think that's an okay thing because, you know, people who know me well and know my comedy know I got a little bit of a bad temper. And so I remember when, you know, you do that whole Facebook post, hey, you know, expecting our first kid February of 2017. And uh, a lot of my friends, a lot of our friends, a few people, you know, even were just being like, hey, don't go getting soft on us now. And I thought to myself, I'm like, dudes, I lost my first wedding ring in a street fight at four in the morning with minus 12 degree temperatures, all because the one guy said something to my buddy and and like i would have nothing to do with me i'll go recap the story real quick you know that bar it used to be a shot uh no yahtzee's it was yahtzee's mm-hmm. on diversity near yeah. my one of my favorite bars galway bay pub free shout out to them and i was with john dank and tc allen pretty sure you know them both i know you know dank yeah. for 100 oh, of, of course yeah me and tc were roommates in college oh i didn't know you and tc were roommates oh that's yeah. awesome yeah well i know you and dank were tied. I, I wasn't I, I should have assumed ec with the whole eastern connection obviously yeah right Sorry, I just stepped on a fucking toy. That's another <laughs> Kid stuff everywhere. Stepped on Batman's motorcycle. So that night, TC was talking up a girl, and that bar had free popcorn. And I remember, like, seeing him talking her up. And then she was gathering up a bunch of popcorn and went towards, like, another group of people. And I, I had a few drinks in me, more than a few. I had a lot. And I shouted, hey, where are you going, popcorn hog? To be like, TC, what are, what's going on, man? You were you guys were talking for like an hour. And she even turned around and laughed because she did have like all the popcorn. You know, she had like three baskets full. So calling her popcorn hog wasn't like rude. But this yeah. dude that was part of her little crew just was staring daggers at me. And then I was like, like, what's up, man? And he's like, you better watch your tone there, guy. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. I'm like, I, I just kind of smiled like I'm smiling now. And I said, dude, I'll fucking kill you. Sorry, I know you're. I don't know if you swear too often on your podcast. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter tonight. You go right ahead. Doesn't matter tonight. 
All right, PG listeners. Sorry, everyone. Um, and basically, he's like, what, what? And we did that thing, which now as an adult, not, not that I wasn't an adult then. I was uh, 28 at the time, I think. Anyway, the bar, they kicked me out. And like a fool, I said, I kind of want to wait for this guy because the bar was closing up anyway. And he came out and then we, it was just a big brawl. We were outnumbered, but we did some damage. But the real damage was losing a wedding ring that was very expensive. It was over $600, which, you know, as guys, guys don't get expensive rings. No. No, it was, it was made in Ireland, so I thought it was cooler and all this stuff. And I lost it, probably rolled into a sewer, never to be seen again. And I tried to even ask for a metal detector. I was trying to look through the snow for like the next few days and just couldn't find it. So that guy that I just told you everyone about, that dude needed to chill out. He needed to start crying at Toy Story 4 and... um what yeah. else? Uh, Avengers Endgame made me cry up a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough scene, that end scene. Oh, man, that scene gets me every time, man. It has to. I mean, Captain America. You know, I mean, that, that's Dude, a tough you're, one. you're dead inside if that doesn't get you. No spoiler alerts, because yes. I know some people might be behind. I'm very touchy about spoiler alerts, because someone ruined something for me, and they were like, dude, it came out a year ago. And I'm like, still, a year nowadays, people need time to catch up. Yeah, well, yeah, and you're right, but at the same time, I think any Avengers fan has seen the movie 25 times by now. But you're right, though. Still, you're right. So your your skit, one of your skits on temper, is actually one of my favorite skits of yours. And I saw it during your recording. I was there for the recording of this one, and it's the one where you talk about someone makes fun of your shoes, and you go right for the jugular. How there's no like, there's no transitional insult for you. You go right to like mom like right away like about mom threats you know like it was and that's one of my favorite skits that you have I, it cracks me up every time it comes on oh thanks man yeah i definitely <laughs> have that thing where it's like hey your shoes you're if someone makes fun of your shoes you're supposed to go to their shirt next yeah, <laughs> yeah right mom's their grand, i'm like i'm going too too far with it that's the you know that's that guy yeah then that i was afraid though because i think in that the greater part of that joke was that i needed to figure that out because i didn't want to be that dad and the rest of the joke was, you know, little kids get mad. You know, we all have hear a story of a five-year-old or a six-year-old saying, like, I hate you, daddy. And I didn't want to be like, well, you hate me? Oh, well, guess what? You were this close to not existing. <laughs> go to bed when I tell you to go to bed. <laughs> but yeah, well, man, we were both talking yesterday yeah. about just like being overprotective, which I just don't understand why people think that's such a bad thing. I think it's only a bad thing if you're afraid to let your kids fail. You know, right. like, I think there are some parents and I actually read an article, man, I wish I could quote it for everybody or at least give them the source about how, you know, everyone's talking about soccer being more popular these days or, or gaining popularity in America. It's still not that popular, but it's gaining popularity in America because it's less physical. But really, the statistics show that had been gaining way before the CTE stuff. It had really been picking up steam over the last 15 mm -hmm. years or so, which is longer than, you know, the general public's knowledge on how dangerous uh, head injuries are in both like football and hockey and all sports really. And well, and there's, there's head injuries in soccer too, but the reason was, or at least what this article was saying was that soccer is easy for a lot of parents because it's like, Oh, just go run around on the field. Whereas baseball, you strike out, the kid feels bad. You know, he, you know, little Timmy's all of a sudden he's sad and upset because he just, struck out and let his teammates down. I think if you're a parent that shields your kid from that, I'm not saying necessarily you're bad because who am I to judge other people, but I think you're doing your child a disservice where me and you are basically like, get away from the effing curb, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. It's a big, big difference between those two examples. I can, yeah, I agree. I want my kid to learn 
to be not a good loser because a good loser is a frequent loser, but yeah. uh, you know, sports wise, not as the term loser goes. Gotcha. But, but yeah, I agree. I, I like we like we said, I, I'm the one that's covering all the electrical outlets and I'm mad when someone leaves the plug out and I'm covering all the corners. I have baby proofed this house to the point where my wife calls me crazy. And I'm like, you know what? They call it a freak accident for a reason. It's the one that you don't see coming. And those are the ones that I'm going to I'm going to lower the risk of. You know, I you're you've probably read this book and this this might be a little dark too. the book. Uh, it's by David Goggins. It's called Can't Hurt Me. Yep. For those of you who don't know who David Goggins is, uh, uh, this is more for my listeners because I think your listeners probably do. He's a highly decorated Navy SEAL. Mm -hmm. Guy's just a complete badass. He's, he's been on a lot of podcasts. He's kind of like in the motivational speaker world right now, I'd say. He also runs ultra marathons, which was something I never really even heard of until I heard of this guy. I didn't know people would ever run a hundred miles. Like, why would you ever do that? Yeah. But it's something he does and is amazing at it. He uh, wrote a book called can't hurt me. And it talks, his childhood was just so insanely hard. Mm -hmm. And in one of the parts of the book, now, have you read the book, Mike or no? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Dude. So you probably know what I'm talking about. There's one part where he's like, I think he's in high school and he's on the bus and this little kid goes running out at the same time as the bus was coming out. And he talks about the sounds coming out of the mother's that the mother was making. He goes, she had crossed over. She was no longer like human yeah. anymore because it was just such a primal. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God, this poor woman like is loading up the, her car and took her eye off her kid for a split second. And the kid ran in front of a bus and got flattened. And yeah. like, who knows how horrific that scene must've been. And he witnessed that. And I think he mentioned in his book just because of all the, horrible things he had witnessed through his childhood and what he had to overcome later in life. And dude, all it takes for me is to read one thing about that or see one thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. So now I've two boys, right? Two kids. When I get the one in the car seat, the other one is waiting on the porch 30 yards from the street. Yeah. And I know some people will be like, that's a little bit much. I don't care. It's never a little bit much. No, because any injury that would result in death, you would never, ever forgive yourself. No. You put yourself in a situation where you could possibly have the worst possible thing happen to you, and then you have to live with that. There's certain things yeah. I really think that might be impossible to come back from as a human being. Yeah. No, not, I, I actually, I make Hayes, my older son, I make him climb through the same side of the car in first. So he's already, he's already in the car, and then he climbs through into his seat while I'm getting Carter set, and then I close the door and go around, so I know they're both in the car already. That's great. I might start to do that one too. Now that he actually could climb, I yeah. was kind of doing, he was still like yeah. two ish. Of course. Of yeah. But same idea though, that like, I want to know where you're at. I'm going to know exactly where you're at before. Yeah, for sure. I carry one kid down the stairs. I'm in the basement right now in my house and uh, I carry one kid down the stairs and then like, I make sure they're secure. I go up and open the gate and get the next one down. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah the, I don't mess around with the baby gates either. No. This, yeah. Over the baby gate instead of putting it up or, well, we got the one where it, like it opens in the middle and you know, the whole latch thing and it's drilled into the sides of the wall. So, yeah, I mean, he's yeah. strong, but he's not knocking that thing over. No. Shoddy craftsmanship <laughs> on this guy's end. <laughs> no, it'd be, yeah, it'd be my fault for sure. Yeah. So, you know, one thing I just going back to your comedy, one thing I, I feel like I could have done better at yesterday and I promise we won't, by the way, we, we won't reference yesterday over and over, I promise. But <laughs> it's just, I think Joe and I are still getting over uh, yeah, right. the, the event. But uh, to my listeners, I want to hype up the success of my buddy a little bit because I think it's a cool story. 
you know, you, you go out to, you went to LA, you took a risk. And that's something that we talked about that I want to talk about again today was, you know, we're very hands-on dads, but we are very much so. And the term entrepreneur, I'm, I'm back and forth on sometimes. I think it's too freely used, but we are pursuing our own careers for Agreed. sure. You know, we start our own businesses and we're pursuing that. And that's something we do actively. And, and while still being 100% in on, on our kids and our wives. So you went out to LA, you wrote for some pretty big time shows. So I, for my listeners, uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about it? Let me, let me gloat on you for a little bit. Well, actually I didn't technically write. I was a segment producer on an MTV show called Ridiculousness. And before that I was, so I was more in the producer game than the writing game. Um, I have written for some other stuff. I, you know, I wrote for like an Amazon audible series and then, um, like just a couple other things here and there, like some punch up work on some stuff, which is basically like you come into a room and everyone bounces the ideas around. Like I had friends who were on Chelsea lately and um, a comedy central show that I'm blanking on. What's that at midnight? It was called at midnight. It was like a okay. game. Show. And then I wrote like a bunch of jokes for them and stuff like that. So being in the writer's room, I have done before, Very cool. but as far as producing goes, it started with uh, Tosh.0. I was a production assistant on Tosh.0 for two seasons on that show. And um, some of that work was really fun. And some of it's like grunt work, you know, but it's like a foot in the door. I actually had a pretty sweet gig for the one season of Tosh.0. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with the show. And for those of you who are not, it's kind of like a American's Funniest Home Videos rip off in a way, but brought into the digital age. Yeah. And, um, you know, right now, so they have like a web redemptions, they called it, where people who made a fool of themselves on the internet, they would let them redeem themselves by like recreating a thing or whatever. And they would often get models and the models didn't make a fool of themselves, but they would bring in the models for whatever reason. And my job for a while was picking up the models from the airport or, or taking care of them, bringing them to set, doing all sorts of stuff. And the one model, it was her her 21st birthday was the day before. So she showed up on set hungover and was really worried that the producers were going to be mad at her and stuff. So I like whipped her up. Like I put like, you know, you know, like all this vitamin C stuff and like emergency and like I, I all in like a bottle of water and mixed it up, all sorts of like little stuff that I'd used to uh, varying degrees of success. Cause really <laughs> as a hangover cure, people tell no. you, here's what I do. Here's what I, you know, it, no. it's good days, bad days. And you just, you fight the demons. Okay. So I brought it to her and she said it worked like a charm. And then um, two or three weeks later, all of a sudden I'm like watching the E channel or watching something. And she had replaced like Kate Upton as the Carlsberger junior girl. Her name's Charlotte McKinney. Everyone, you could look her up, Charlotte McKinney. And uh, she was like, said to be like the next big blonde model. And she'd done a, like a Super Bowl commercial that year and all the sorts of stuff. And every now and then I see her pop up on some, some ads. But I remember just thinking to myself, that'd be a sweet gig to be a guy that's just like, hey, 22 year olds who are like 100 pounds. And <laughs> I'm the guy for you. Let me, uh, let me take it. But I'm sure my wife would have hated that after a while. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I did. Um, I, I had a lot of fun in LA. I didn't hate LA. A lot of people assume that I hated LA because I'm such a Chicago guy. I hated the like aspects of LA big time, but I learned a lot. My eldest son was born there. My dog is from there. So yeah, I mean, I can never hate that place. I had a lot of fun there and I don't ever rule out moving to LA. I don't rule out moving to New York, but right now with family 
and Chicago being home and Chicago being a great city to do a lot of the things I want to do. I mean, there's no reason for me to, to move to another place, but I just think it's a good mentality to have where you never rule out any, you know, future options. But uh, coming back was just, a, it was a, the best combination of continuing to do what I wanted to do at a high level and having that family life that I grew up with, you know? So, yeah. you know, I grew up growing up, you, you too, we, you know, I, I know a lot about you and I know that you're a huge family guy. Mm -hmm. And probably a fan of Family Guy, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know I went to this house every yeah. Sunday for dinner, and you know I had yeah. a ton of cousins that were around my age, and I still talk with them all the time. I'm on a bunch of dumb text threads with them. I don't know why I call them dumb; they're fun text threads. But yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, it was great, and thanks for for hyping me up. You've always come out to the big shows, and I really appreciate that, man. Uh, well, I mean, they're great too. So it's not just that it's it is supportive, but it's also that they're they're hilarious. I mean, they're, you at, you're awesome. So, I mean, to my listeners, yeah, you know, whenever, whenever this is done, you got to go download the albums because they're hilarious. Yeah. You, you do good. You do good stuff, man. It's awesome. I love it. Thanks. Thanks. And I'll help yeah. you up right now, guys, this Mike is doing fitness in a way and lifestyle is medicine. This whole idea of, you know, this is your life and, and your body. And we've all, you know, everyone's heard the cliche, your body's your temple and all that kind of stuff. But I really like the approach you're taking and you had a post recently where you're just talking about, hey, move, but you just, you got to move your body. And you had a funny thing that's relatable yeah. as a dad. Cause every now and then I'll have a day where I'm like, at the end of the day, I, I look back, I go, I should have gotten on the bike. I think, you know, I got an exercise bike. I'm like, I should have got on the bike for at least 15 minutes. I, I had 15 minutes somewhere. Why didn't I get on the bike? And then I see you in the post where it's like loading the dishwasher, then do yeah. this, unloading the dishwasher, then do that. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Those things do kind of count. I mean, they, they, it, oh, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't my typical routine. I try to put aside a good 25 minutes to half an hour to work out. And it's nothing crazy. I got a, a really small setup in my basement, exercise bikes, some dumbbells, which you could do some stuff with though. I was actually doing like calf races on my stairs and I, I felt you feel pretty good. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get any, yeah. cause you're not lifting anything with it. Tones it up the calves a little bit though. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that people don't realize. Like it's, yeah, yeah. There, it's great to have all the equipment and, but just moving is when it comes to the prevention of disease, when it comes to health, just health, it's the movement aspect that does it. Aesthetics is different. You want to throw on a huge amount of muscle. You want to lose a lot of weight. Yeah. There, there's extra stuff that realistically needs to be done, but the minimal amount of movement and a good amount of nutrition and sleep, and you're going to be living a really good life for a long time. If you look at, they call the, have you ever heard of the, of the, uh, the blue zones? No. So the blue zones, they're areas that have been studied and there's, I want to say five of them. There's five of them. And it's the areas on the planet that have the most, the most people that have lived to a hundred or more. And they look at the things that are in common with these people. And one, there's a limited amount of, of sedentary distractions. There's, there's less TV, there's less technology, there's less cars, people are walking everywhere. So one, they're just, there's not that reason to be sedentary. And two, they're eating clean. There is less meat, which we will we'll probably get into again today. But uh, most of them are eating minimal amounts of meat, some, but, but minimal. And their diets are full of fruits and vegetables, and it's a limited calorie type of thing. So that's, that's the thing that's in common. So when you look at, now, do they look like their models, like, like we see here in the States, and we tend to try to emulate of course not you mean you know, it's 100 year old women aren't thick come on man it's it's ridiculous but even when they were 30 <laughs> um, 
we all see the music videos now. Yeah. I do love uh, from a comedian standpoint, it is really hilarious. I was joking with a friend of mine. This was a good year ago, because obviously that's when it happened nowadays. But I remember I went to a bar with a friend that just opened and the staff was attractive. And there was a gym, an export, which you're familiar with, mm-hmm. just down the street, like real close. And I remember thinking to myself, like, and my because my friend said, Hey, that girl, like she from five months ago to now, I think she'd been really hitting the gym because or hitting the squats. Let's just say squats. If I say squats, everybody listening knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> what part of her body changed. And um, I said, man, that'd be kind of hilarious if you're a bar owner and you want your staff to get more attractive. So part of the package is I'll get you a gym membership down the street. Let me ask you this too, to add to the whole living a very long time thing. Mm-hmm. I had come across, I think it was on Joe Rogan's podcast, where he was talking to a doctor and they were talking about the keys to living a long life. And he, there was some report where they interviewed all these people over the age of 100. And those are all separate interviews. So it wasn't like group speak. And the one of the main things in common they all had, and I, I don't know if they were from the areas you were talking about. They probably were. But one of the main things they had in common were that all of them preached good sleep. Yes, 100%. And not even not just good sleep throughout the night too, but usually there's, you know, like, like in Mexico, there's a siesta or, you know, or in Spain, there's a siesta. That same idea. It's this nap mentality where in the middle of the day, things shut down. You give your brain a break. And if you want to relate that directly to one thing you can prevent, most of these countries do not, or these areas have limited to no dementia, no Alzheimer's, no brain disease. Wow. So if, yeah. And yeah, you look and it's, you know, the stuff that unfortunately the medical community can't say with certainty, you know, they can't turn around and say 100% yet. And they won't. And that's, and they, you know, research has to be pretty hard stone to be considered research, but without a doubt, without a doubt in my mind, there is lifestyle stuff is causing the vast majority of dementias and brain disease and heart disease. And, and the major killers of people are mostly coming from lifestyle. And when people say, well, hold on, genetics do play large components. I say, yes, but genetics also start somewhere. Meaning three generations ago, someone is eating a certain way. Those genes get passed on too. So yes, genetics are strong, but genetics also don't have to start at our earliest ancestor. People can start a trend somewhere in the middle. Correct. 100% correct. I mean, yeah, we, we know there's a lot of evidence of that. Like if I start, I mean, there's just so many things with genetically speaking that would blow people's minds. Like so much, you're a tan guy. I'm not a tan guy. That comes from genetics of the environment, you know, like is me, you know, if people see the video or any video clips, we'll see a very, very white human being, very pasty. (laughs) I took the shirt off. It'd be, be blinding the screen. And if I took my sons who are both very white one so much whiter than the other it's actually really funny we did a family photo shoot and my eldest son and my wife like went cheek to cheek and it was like man i gotta get this kid some fake tanner maybe I, <laughs> you know start tanning a three-year-old i'm obviously kidding but he's a ghost anyhow big beautiful blue eyes though that popped through like two blue m&ms through a white piece of paper <laughs> if i took my family and we moved to the equator not right away, but after X amount of generations, you would think there was no Irish blood whatsoever in my great, 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 great grandkids or whatever. I, I can't remember how long it has to take. I think I read something like if you took like someone from Norway and they started a family genes or a line 
a genial line in like the Congo, I think after like 2000 years, their kids would be, you know, black, like, like Dikembe Mutombo. They wouldn't even have traces <laughs> of that. I mean, cause yeah. it's just all evolution. It's all pigmentation. It's all sun. You adapt yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of that goes with your genes too. If, if you come from a long line of this, you could start that change. And obviously it takes time, but you can change what happens going forward. Yeah. Well, and marriage too. I mean, who you, that too, who you have children with too. So mixing of genes is a huge thing. I had someone on who I respect highly. He was an executive with Equinox, who I worked for, for, for a long time. And he came on and part of his role with Equinox was he was, um, you know, he would experiment on what new educations to bring into to pass down to people like me who, who led the education systems for upcoming trainers. So he went through this company in California and he went through this whole genetic screening. And what he learned, he shared on the podcast episode. And it was, it was fascinating, but it was one of the big takeaways was your genetics don't guarantee anything either direction. Just because you have a predisposition to something doesn't mean you're going to get it. Your, your good lifestyle can still decrease the risk or eliminate it. Or just because you don't have a predisposition, just because you, your genetics say you're not going to get anything doesn't mean your lifestyle won't lead you into heart disease, cancer, stroke, and diabetes. So, sure. so yes, genetics are a powerful thing. I'm not, I'm, I never claim that they are not. However, lifestyle is equally as powerful and, and it can be an offset if it's used the right way. Yeah. I mean, if you're, dad and grandfather and great-grandfather all died of lung cancer and they were heavy smokers and you don't smoke i mean you could you might still be naturally born with some weaker lungs because of the genes they passed on to you but there's a good chance you won't die of lung cancer because you change your the lifestyle changes from them to you you know yes correct and that's a good example because that is one is proven to be primarily lifestyle yes. the vast majority of that and lifestyle is such a key word in that because it can it it's i mean it's vague enough but it's also a word that people aren't afraid of that's why i like that your company's mar health and performance like the health being a big part of it and yeah we'll help your performance and i've seen great you know video work that you've shown on like instagram of you helping athletes helping basketball players like become more explosive or you know helping baseball players like yeah you know strengthening their forearms and stuff like that because a lot of what you study is like you know biomechanical and this is such a new wave in sports now almost every professional team has Mm -hmm. all these specialists now hiring guys that phds in this stuff yeah no yeah you're right and i and i appreciate you pointed out health has always been the focus when people ask me why i focus on health a lot and why i don't from a sales standpoint why i don't go right for the aesthetic there's a I'm sure you're familiar with it. There's a Jim Gaffigan skit where he's talking about Mexican food (laughs) and people are asking him, you know, what's in a taco, what's in a burrito, what's in an empanada, what's in, you know, and, and every time, you know, they bring up the new food, it's the same list of ingredients. It's the same thing. And the way he does it is obviously really, really funny too, but I compare it that way to where people say, okay, well, I want to put on muscle. Great. Let's start by eating better, sleeping more, you know, and, and, and exercising. Great. I want to lose weight. Awesome. Let's start by eating better, sleeping more and exercising. Great. I want to decrease risk of disease. Let's start by eating better, drinking more water, sleeping more. And you know, like the, the basic recipe for any goal that walks into my gym is the same. Now 
where things start, obviously, you know, people want to put on 20 pounds of muscle. I'm going to, there's going to be some differences. Like there's, there, there of course is individualization, but when it comes to lifestyle, the same things that are going to get you to where you want to be aesthetically and from a confidence standpoint are also going to raise your energy, improve your mood and decrease your risk of disease. The same baseline things. Oh, that's great. I love the way you summarize that because it's like, yeah, it's the same recipe every time. And I just wish more people thought of it that way and more people could drop the insecurities of, or the fear. I think it's a lot of it's fear, fear of failing at a thing. Or, you know, I think we all know people who are terribly unhealthy and out of shape and they think I'm never going to get a six pack. It's like, well, why is a six pack the goal? I mean, you, you're pushing over 300 pounds. I think the goal should be let's lose weight and feel better. How about we feel better every day? And, and yes. you know, we could walk farther without breathing heavy and all that stuff. I don't know why you're going to the six pack. Also, yes. you're in your late thirties. It's not like it's a very hard thing to maintain. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's just weird that we go to that. I think part of it's like our, our, our culture a little bit, which I do want to talk, touch on culture with you in a second. Cause you, you mentioned um, the siesta. Which yeah. Need to bring that here. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, before we do, so you're right. So the goal setting thing and someone of that weight going right to the six pack. I just did a post on this recently. I like long-term goals. Long-term goals are great, but ideally we create the long-term goal and then we put it on a shelf and we don't forget about it, but we put it somewhere where we only think about it here and there. Like we have to go into that room to see it, but we don't put it on the fridge. It's not a carrot in front of our face. And the reason why is that if you only think about the longest term achievement that you're trying to get to, you're going to compare yourself to that every day. It's going to be a constant reminder of where you aren't, what you haven't achieved. And then you stop stop, uh, celebrating the short-term wins. I want to lose 60 pounds. I just lost 15. 15 pounds is a lot of weight. Yeah, but it's not 60. Well, yeah, but, but you can't lose 60 without one, two, three, four, five, up to 15. Like that, those have to come. It's like building the house, right? It's a, it's a corny little analogy, but I, I got to go brick by brick. At no point does someone come in and just drop 3,000 bricks in a perfectly set house position, <laughs> you know, on my lawn. I, I got to go one at a time. So goal setting is important and expectations are important. So we really help people to see the next milestone, not the long term. Great. Let's lose five pounds this month. Can we do that? Awesome. And usually it's not through weight. Usually it's through habit-based. Usually, hey, you have ice cream every night. So let's just cut that. Or you never eat a vegetable. How can we add one in? Like these little things that don't think that people don't think are significant, but make a huge impact for the long haul. Absolutely. And I, I would like to because this, again, it's your health, people, you know, it's, this is this, like the most important thing to your happiness. Like everyone, they want to be happy. They want to be successful. They want to be rich or whatever other things they want to throw out there. I'm like, it, none of it matters if you feel terrible, if you're, yeah. if you're, you know, killing yourself without realizing it too. And I, I, I have friends that are, you know, mid thirties and I just wish it's like, Hey, let's, you got to start small and enjoy the process, get in the process of this, who I'll, Everyone listening to this podcast on, on both ends, I'll send you the link to this guy too. His story was, I'm pretty sure in GQ or Men's Fitness pretty recently, he's dropped like 150 pounds in over a year or in like, wow. no, 150 pounds in 18 months, I want to say, which is incredible. It's incredible. And, and that's, you know, that worked for him. And I don't think anyone should really push for that insane of a goal, but he said it was just 
the goal wasn't to lose that much. That wasn't what he set out to do. He set out to get healthier. And while getting healthier, that's what ended up happening. And it was kind of like enjoying the process. And he's a comedian. And there's something about, I know so many comedians. And I know you talked about on your last podcast, being an overweight kid. I know so many comedians who are really overweight and they've, they're all thin now. And there must be something in the mindset of like, oh, if, if I want to try stand-up comedy, which is such an insane thing to try. Like, you know, I, I don't get nervous on stage anymore, but every now and then I take a step back and I'm like, I do this. What is this? This is a weird, yeah. people watch me talk by myself for half an hour. This is what, you know, or an hour or whatever. Yeah. I think there's something about that mindset where it's like, if I could get into this, then I could definitely take care of my body and focus on that. And you almost have to get a little, you do have to get addicted. You have to get like addicted to the lifestyle of eating right and working out. But I also want people not to beat themselves up because you're going to have bad days and all that kind of stuff. And in progress doesn't have to be this straight line of, or, you know, going up. You, if you take a step back, no big deal. That happened. You have a bad day. Okay. We have bad days. Let's yeah. figure out how we could be better tomorrow. And right. if you're out there listening and you're in your mid thirties and you're not feeling great, how about just little by little? And maybe by the time you're 40, you're feeling healthy. And then you could live the next 40 years of your life feeling great and being in shape. And the goal shouldn't be a six pack. The goal should be feeling good and, and having a healthy like body and mind. Yeah, no. And, and if you do that, then maybe the six pack will actually come because you didn't plan for it. Just like your buddy. And this, this goal setting goes past, Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. cut you off. I'm gonna yeah. figure out otherwise. He his trick, he would get really high and then go running. Uh that that's one I have not implemented yet, but uh maybe I'll <laughs> He's being stone made it so that he just kind of lost track of how far he'd went and then he ended up going really far. Interesting. All right, well, we'll dig back into that one later. But uh I got a really yeah. I don't know if he said that because it was a good headline, but <laughs> I mean, hey, he, he lost the weight. So, I mean, who am I? You know, if it works, it works. You know, right. that's but, uh, going and go running. But then he must have avoided the munchies. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I'm getting you up. Well, when I was, and that is what I was thinking. I was like, because you, you hear about the opposite. But, um, exactly. But no, it's, but goal setting goes past. I mean, yeah, it's a huge part of what we do, but it also goes into any, any other life goal. Right. So, I mean, so let me ask you this. Let me flip it and compare it to something else. When you were just starting out, when you, when you were like, Hey, you know what? This is, I think this is something I want to pursue. I'm guessing that your, your next step wasn't Madison Square Garden, you yeah. know, in, in front, in front of, you know, whatever it is, 50,000 people, you know? So, so how did you set more short term things to get to where you are now, which is, you know, a pretty successful level? Yeah. Um, I starting out, it was you know such a new world, such a new world from being from, you know, a very blue collar part of Chicago, like yourself. I just wanted to get good. And I figured if I got good, like I wanted to get a good five minutes, if I could get a good five minutes on stage that could maybe have it where I could do five minutes on a real show, not an open mic. And then I had a couple goals that I actually was, I did meet in my first year. In Chicago, there, there's two really cool independent showcases that are both still going, Chicago Underground Comedy and uh, a place called the Lincoln Lodge. And I'm like, man, those are like the cool shows. Those seem to be they're always full and, and the, the comics on them are really great. If I could get those like in my first year, which I later found out was really lofty. A lot of people would have told me that's insane to even have that as a goal, but I didn't know any better. But again, I just kind of thought I want to do that. And then year two, I'll, then I'll figure it out later. Like, 
I'll set a new thing after I get those. But if I could just get those and the way to get those is get a good five minutes, which will evolve into a good 10 minutes and then just get up every night. That was the, the goal was to just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And then I figured, then I'll figure out more as I go. I didn't want to, I, there are comedians that I meet now. I meet young comedians all the time and you know, they'll come up to me and ask for advice. And I'm usually kind of, I'll give advice, but I try to tell people like a lot of this is a road you got to walk alone and figure out yourself. I'll try Mm -hmm. to steer you in in a right direction here or there. So you don't waste too much time. But as far as being funny, you got to figure out what's funny to you. I can't write you a joke or tell you why that, you know, I mean, I could tell you why their joke didn't hit maybe, but as far as finding your voice as a comedian, that's stuff you got to do on your own. I could tell you, Hey, work harder and all that kind of stuff. Right. But they have to put the work in kind of like in your line of work. But then I'll see these comics, you know, say they'll they'll follow me on Instagram and I'll be like, oh, I was a nice kid. I talked to him the other day. Well, I'll follow him back. Sure. And then I'm like, you're posting clips of your stand up every day. And these are clips from open mics with three people in the crowd and the audio's terrible. And what is the point of this? Yeah. And I, they're trying to skip steps. They're trying to gain a fan base before they're even deserving of a fan base. And they're self-promoting. They're self-promoting they're putting more energy into self-promotion than energy into writing jokes and performing the jokes and crafting and getting good at that. And that's just, you know, I, you've probably seen it. Does this ever happen? And like someone goes to the gym or you've seen it where it's like, Oh, you're here for the selfies. You're just trying to, Oh, do you really care about this? Is this really going to become a thing that you're going to accomplish? Or are you just, this is a vanity project and you're probably going to fail at the end because you're, you know, not in it for the right reasons. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You definitely had, yeah. You had the members that, or even the clients, the clients that, that paid a lot of money just to feel like they, they were doing something right. And, and to give some people credit, there's a lot of reasons people come to us, but I've definitely had people that come because they want the camaraderie. It really actually isn't about the fitness or the health. It's, I need somewhere to go. I need to get out of my house. I, you know, um, you just described CrossFit by the way. I, yeah, well, well, you know what, to be honest. And and since you brought that up, I've talked a lot about CrossFit over the years in a negative way. And now I've become a fan of it as a sport because I allowed myself to see it about what it is. It's a sport. And the pro guy, the, the guys who are good at CrossFit are phenomenal. The Matt Frazier's of the world are phenomenal athletes. I mean, some of the best athletes of any sport. And I have no problem saying that I would go to Wisconsin every year to go see them in the games because it's, it's that impressive. Wow. I don't like it as a fitness tool for newcomers. I, and I never have. However, what they do better than anybody is they create a community. So to give them some credit and now, and now other companies do too, the orange theories of the world and the shreds and the, the berries boot camps, And most of these are local, but I guess orange theory is national now, but yeah. Orange theory is national. That's what they do well. It's not that they're getting, I'm, I'm not saying no one gets results at these companies. Of course they do. Some do. But what they really do well is, is they create a family. And that's one thing that Ryan, my business partner, and I, that's, that's one thing we wanted to emulate. We said, well, let's, let's look at what a lot of people do well. And that's one thing I'm proud of at our gym is we have, we have a tight-knit community. Our members have become friends. They talk to each other. They all want to come to the same class time because they want to see their buddies. So, That's all- so, so you're right though, but that, that is probably where some people start and go to a place like a CrossFit, but they stay, they don't stay because they enjoy feeling like absolute crap every day. 
they stay because the person next to them also feels like crap. And now they share that with that person. And now they want to come continuing sharing with that person. I actually did a whole thing once. I did a whole seminar once on, I know I'm biased obviously because this was the sport I played past high school, but football is a little different than other sports in that there is an actual chemical relationship between the players that doesn't happen with other sports. And it's because of the violence of the sport. When players, rugby, football, lacrosse, when there's an actual pain component, they're getting hit. Players that go through that together actually develop the same chemical response. And this is studied. The same chemical response is shared as is between two partners or a husband and wife. Wow. It's, it's called oxytocin and it raises in your, in your system when you are sharing something deep with somebody else. Whether it's emotional or physical, it doesn't matter where the original, where the originate, or, uh, origination comes from. So something like CrossFit is comparable to where you are going through something. It's I survived. Not just I worked out today. I survived and I survived it with these 20 other people. So now we've become bonded by this accomplishment. So because of that, I have stopped talking as negatively about it because as much as I don't like it from a form aspect and an injury aspect, and I never will, I do respect that community that gets built. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it makes sense why those, the people who go to it, who partake in it are drawn to that because yeah. they're all such natural whiners as human beings yeah. that they want. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, yeah. I'm just giving CrossFit people a hard time. It's because yeah. it's such an, I mean, it's become a hack joke amongst people because yes. you meet someone who, how do you know someone does CrossFit? They tell you, you know, <laughs> <They'll> like, tell you. <laughs> you know, it's like that with like vegans and atheists and all that stuff. And yeah. that, I was just thinking that. You know what I mean? No, I, you know, we, I've, I talked to you before about uh, yesterday, everybody fine. I made it. We talked yesterday. <laughs> we were trying not to do that whole thing. So yesterday we were saying yeah. about going, you know, I went vegan for a while, so I don't hate on vegans, but vegans do kind of have that cliche, but I talk about yeah. this. I had a joke about this in my stand up set for a while. I don't know why I stopped doing it. It was a funny bit, I think, but um, about, of course, vegans brag about being vegan. They gave up all the best foods. Like if you gave up all this awesome stuff, you would slide it into conversation occasionally. Hey, you know those things that you guys all love, like cake and, and Italian beef? Yeah, I don't eat that. I just, I, I gave it up. Yeah, right. I care about my body and I love animals. You would slide that in. It makes total sense why they talk about it all the time. So I don't even really hate vegans for doing it. And CrossFit apparently is just an insane thing. But you're right about football. Now, I did not play football growing up like, I mean, I played with my friends at the park, but like, as far as like actual full pads, I didn't mm -hmm. play until sophomore year of high school. Now I had asked to play because all my friends growing up played, but my dad and my stepmom who worked at, uh, was a nurse practitioner at Children's Memorial Hospital, which became Lurie's. She had seen too many injuries and she, they were both like, no, and I was a really skinny kid. And they're like, no, you're going to get hurt. We don't want you to play, you know, just stick to baseball and basketball, play with those sports. And I asked every year. Finally, sophomore year of high school, they let me play and I uh, actually got named a starter. And then I broke my leg six days before the first game, which was against Lane Tech. And I was going to, I was at St. Pat's and there was a, I knew a lot of the Lane Tech kids because I went to a public graded school and it was just totally like, just crushed me. But I remember as soon as I remember, I remember feeling the snap, hearing the snap. And even though I had about a thousand pounds of offensive linemen on top of me, because it was a big pile my first thought after, wow, this really hurts, was 
damn it. They told me so. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah. It, it was like a Christmas story. I was like, I shot my eye out. That's really what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. Given that backstory, because you were 100% right. I've never seen a bond in a baseball dugout in a basketball locker room. I mean, there's bonding, but not like a football bond. Now, sophomore year, we started the year 5-0. and I remember we beat Joy Catholic 7-0. We beat this other team. We had beaten a bunch of people. We were 5-0. and and then our sixth game, I think, was against Carmel, which was already a way out in Mundelein or something. Mm-hmm. And we got our asses kicked. And I remember I was on crutches. I'm crutching back to the – I was always the last to crutch in because I was on crutches. And I get into the locker room, and everybody's crying. Literally 15, 16 – what are you, sophomore 15 mostly? Crying their eyes out. And I was kind of like, what the hell is this? Part of me at the time was like embarrassed. I'm like, why are they guys? We were five and one. We're still a good record. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, we lost. We got, but guys, we, it's not like we, in my head, I'm like, we didn't lose on a missed field goal at the end of the game. We get our ass from a whistle. All four quarters, we got killed. I don't understand what the tears are about. Of course, I'm not saying this (laughs) because, right. No, like, bro. But I remember now that you told me about the science behind it, I'm like, oh, okay, this makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Amazing. No, no, yeah, and, and I think Carmel beat everyone that bad that year. And we, yeah, we all, we all, because we went to rival high schools, you and I, but we all got killed by you Carmel. You guys beat us that year. We did. It's, it's the only thing I have. I think it's the only thing any of us have to hang our hat on. Because all four years, we were never, freshman year doesn't count, but we were never great. It just, we weren't, we had some really good pieces, but we were never great. But if for some reason we managed to beat, to beat you guys. And that's, that's so, and I, you know, and I still tell Pat about it because, because Pat's <laughs> and, you know, and I was thinking about this too. We're going to learn about which one of our fr- which of our friends actually listens to our podcasts because they're going to come back and be like, Hey, like, cause we talk about them a lot. So Pat, if you're listening, I've referenced them, not in any negative ways though. I still love those guys. I think yeah. uh, some of them are in a bad way sometimes, but there's I'll still take a bullet for any one of them. No, uh, no, no. Bone, yeah. I'll say his name. I don't care. Yeah. I'm dropping that. <laughs> he was falling like you wouldn't believe. Like I, like you, like oh stole- for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, and actually, I remember him telling me about that. And I, it was his birthday yesterday, by the way. So I it, called him. I meant to text him back. I forgot to uh, I, I'm a text group with a bunch of those guys. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I meant to text uh, happy birthday to him. But yeah. dude, it was I, our rival high schools. And then, sorry, we'll switch topics because I'm sure people listening are like, we don't, don't care. Don't, we don't care. <laughs> I was one of those things where if we beat you guys in football or if you guys beat us in football, we would then beat you in basketball and yeah. every other year. You guys yes. would think we'd win the other. They're pretty evenly matched high schools that, that took from the same areas. And even when yes. the football team won state after we graduated, St. Pat's followed it the year later by taking second in state. So. Yeah always very evenly matched in a lot of different things it was we were so similar so the rivalry actually i guess it does make sense maybe because we were so similar but it also didn't but uh well and, and to be honest when i i talked to i have more friends from st pat's than i do from notre dame and that's the truth i, I looking back we talked about things we would do differently i, w- I would have gone to st pat's truthfully that would have been a change i would have made if i could go back and to all my notre dame friends i don't care i'm gonna say it again i would <laughs> i would go back i'd go to pat's it was a better school it was. I think it was a better school. I think it was better coached. I would. I would go back. Yeah, ed- educationally, I don't know if we're a better school. <laughs> no, I love St. Pat's, and I do. Um, I, I had a great four years there. There's some stuff though. Looking back though, and I'll ask you this question as well. Knowing what you know now as an adult, 
And as a person who I feel like aims to be well-rounded, I know you read a lot and um, you know, your family man business. And I'm with you when you mentioned earlier about the entrepreneur award, it does totally get overused and it's, and it's people trying to use it for the wrong reasons. Sometimes it's basically people who are trying to do what they love for a living, you know, mm-hmm. but that's, it's not, there's not one word for that, I guess. I don't know. Right. Right. Is that, um, is there anything you could have, cause I look back at my time in high school and think, man, I wish I kind of didn't just play sports and do all that. I kind of wish I would have at least put some more effort into a different area of life, like, um, like acting or something like that. I, well, and so I have two things. One, one new one that we didn't talk about is I really wish I was a better student. And I truly do. And I'm sure a lot of people say that. Me too. But I am so into, I don't read fiction ever. The only thing I watch is documentaries. I'm like, we watch junk TV. Don't get me wrong. Like we do. But truthfully, it's probably because that's why my wife and I, that's where our middle ground comes in. If I was watching by myself, it's documentaries. It's, I only read books that are educational. I only listen to podcasts outside of yours. <laughs> that is educational. That's the truth. Yeah. You're the, yours is the only one that I, that isn't fitness-based or neurologic-based or, you know, something medical-based. So now that I, I'd like to think of myself as more of an academic, I wish that I would have put myself in a better place to get to a, to a college that was more academic, you know, to do more of those things earlier. I really wish I appreciated it earlier like I do now. And the other is, is acting. I think, and I have a question for you, by the way, make sure I get back to it about acting, but, um, I, I wish it wasn't so frowned upon. I wish it wasn't so, and when I say frowned upon, I mean by our peers. We, I, it's the truth of it. We would have, we would have got made fun of. If I was doing show, like as a football player, I would have got laughed right, right out of a theater. And looking back, I think acting is one of the coolest things. It's one thing that I've, I've like here and there, I've been like, I'm going to sign up for a class. Or, you know, I'm just going to do it. And I did like, a, I never told you this actually. I did a, a six episode pilot for it was going to be an internet TV show that, you know, they were hoping to pitch after the six episodes and it never went anywhere, but it was the coolest thing I ever did. I had so much fun doing it. It it was awesome. It never went anywhere, but ever since then, I've always thought about it. I'm like, well, you know, maybe one day, but to answer your question, I wish I would have had, had the balls to do that earlier in life. Cause I didn't, I didn't have it. We're in the same exact boat with that. And with the educational thing, I was a terrible student in high school. I looked at high school like an open mic as far as comedy. I was I was a class clown. I was always trying to cut up jokes. I always knew the line though. I was one of the kids that would joke around a lot and and goof around and all that kind of stuff. But I never I got some detentions here or there, but I knew where the line was. There were there were some were straight up, they lived in detention because they would go that far. And I'm like, nah, I, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm way more intellectually curious now. I think I always had an intellectual curiosity even then because there was stuff I just didn't blindly accept. I remember hearing things about like world events or whatever, this thing or that thing and just being like, Hmm, okay. Where I feel like everyone else was just like, well, yeah. And I'm like, all right, that just seems too simple to me. And I think I learned early enough, maybe through some life experience with some things here or there that the world is, is a very gray place. And the most obvious answer is rarely the answer. There's just, it's mm-hmm. more complex than that. So if I had, could do it all over again, I think I would have, say I was, I would have been a better student, but say I still came out a bad student. I might've taken a year off completely after high school 
because I became, I like, like reading and I started really enjoying reading like in my early to mid twenties or after I started doing comedy. And I think maybe if I would have taken a year or so off, maybe a year or two off, I think I then would have been like, no, now I want to get an education. Now I want to major in a thing or whatever. I would have had more desire instead of just doing it because I thought I had to do it, which yeah. a lot do. A lot of people go to school because it's like, well, that's what you do. You graduate high school, you go to college and you know, which is a, a weird thing because you're wasting money if you have no purpose to it. You're just paying for an expensive experience. You know, I didn't go away to college and I know the people who went away to college love it, but guess what? The people who stayed home, we had a lot of fun too. You know, we had a lot of <laughs> sure. need to run around in, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, so anyway though, and then the acting thing, you are 100% right. We would have gotten a lot of guff, a lot of guff from our friends, which is so stupid because acting, like you said, is so cool. And we all grow yeah. up wanting to, like everyone we were friends with in high school, love actors, love bands, love music. You know, it's like, do, what do you think these people were like in high school? You know what I mean? Like, imagine yeah. Brad Pitt is like, I don't want to be an actor because these guys are calling me a Nancy, you know? like, Yeah, these guys weren't captain of the football team. They weren't playing quarterback. They weren't the star point guard. The bands we listened to, they were probably the guys that got made fun of by the football team. And You know, I mean, yeah. not, not all of them, but probably most of them, you know? I remember so, going down to... Eastern and then we went to U of I to see like a bunch of bands. We saw like a lot of those like pop punk bands or whatever. Yeah. I can't remember who was all there, like Hawthorne Heights and um, Yeah. Yep. Reliant K and um I don't know, a few of the other ones. Like yeah. Suit Apparatus or something. Yeah. And, yeah. And it was a fun show. But I remember looking at the guys on stage and then looking at the guys that we all know who I was with and thinking, you guys would have made their lives horrible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Like not like in a ball busting way, not like in a, in, you know, a horrific bullying way. I don't think anyone we knew was that bad, but no, you know, no, no jerks for sure to some of them. And it's so funny. I'm like, everyone's worshiping fallout boy. I'm like, that guy wears finger polish and you would have been such an asshole to them. Yeah. It makes me laugh. Yeah. Actually, we actually, June, the, the band June came yeah. out of Notre Dame high school. It was Mark Suter who actually was a solid basketball player. If you remember, no, there's, but, there are some yeah. guys actually, um, yeah. Jeff Alberts, yeah, those guys. But um, but yeah, but but they they open for Fallout Boy. Yeah. yeah, they open for Fallout Boy. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's totally cool, man. That's such a tr a trip. I those were some fun years and, and some fun years in music that like oh, like fall of 03 after we just graduated high school up until like oh five oh six with some stuff, you know. Yeah. And also like I don't like, it's acting is I really wish I mean you on the same page. I really wish I could have gone back and been like. Yeah, I'm gonna go do that play. That seems like a fun thing to do. Yeah. Uh, like, dude, you know what I do to pump myself up? Here's here's something for more for both of our listeners. I think we'll get a kick out of this. I will watch just the four minute scene. Have you seen Thor Ragnarok? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So you know the scene in Thor Ragnarok when his sister's like, I'm not a, a queen or a monster. I'm the goddess of death. And she's like, What were you the god of again? And then he has to, you know, he goes into his brain and, and his dad like guides him. And then like he gets the lightning bolt and just blast her. And then they play that Led Zeppelin song and he just starts wrecking shop. Yeah. If you're everyone, anyone listening, if you're finding yourself feeling a lack of motivation, go on YouTube, just type in, what are you the God of? Because that's how I found the video exactly where I wanted it. And you will be, you'll be jacked up. You'll get ready to go. For sure. And imagine, if, I mean, Chris Hemsworth bulked up to play that. So he wasn't always huge. So I don't know if he was an athlete growing up, but imagine People being like, oh, were you, were you going for the drama club? Huh? You're drama? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I'm going to 
freaking Thor is what I'm going to go do. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to play Thor right now? Oh, man. I'm going to be Thor for Halloween. Uh, <laughs> it's the same thing. I'm doing <laughs> curls. It's not the same thing. But yeah, I'd like to um, <laughs> the costume. I don't know if I'm going to go sleeveless with it and try to like, I've been, I've been, doing, I've been up in the curls, man. I've been in the curls for the girls and the tries for the guys. I hope do you it. say that every day to your by the way. We do and, it. It's all we um, talk about. <laughs> good. So I got, I got nine days. So I got to up the reps. Got to up the reps, I think. Um, and I'm going to see if, if, if they're not there, I won't go sleepless. If they're there, I'm going to go sleepless. I already got my, okay. my oldest son's going to be Captain America, the three-year-old, the one-year-old Spider-Man, and the wife's going to be awesome. Black Widow. I like that. That's good. That's good. It's a good, good, right, good little set. So here's a question for you. So once I got into like an appreciation for acting, I noticed that when I watched movies, I started watching the acting. It almost not ruined movies for me, but but I just watched movies differently. So I thought of this yes last night. Do you watch comedy differently? Like, can you appreciate a comedian for comedian, or are you only thinking like, oh, that's how he did that, or oh, that was that transition? You know, did it ruin comedy for you a little bit to be so deep into the as a comedian? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it ruined it a little bit. Maybe ruin's not the right word. Maybe that's not a fair word, but. Do you look at it differently? As a, yeah, as... Ruin might not be the right word exactly. I saw Seinfeld live in like 2011 or 2012. And, and at the time I was still like, you know, four or five years into comedy maybe. And um, I remember someone asking me like, oh, how was it? And I said, it was really good. And then I realized, oh, I didn't laugh much though. I was just kind of watching like in awe and trying to like soak in exactly what he was doing as opposed to being an audience member and just laughing. Yeah. There's little things you pick up when you do a thing, you know, like my wife's a world-class Irish dancer and like her team took third and seventh in the world. Like when she was in high school, she went to Dublin like twice for international competition and stuff like that. So like, she's amazing. She can't stand when someone pretends to Irish dance and they don't know what the hell oh. they're doing. Okay. And so watch some comedy, it's not like that they're pretending, but I, I know the tricks and I know a phony. I know when someone is taking something that they've written and written tightly, you know, they really ironed it out, which is great. But then they're trying to play it like, oh, I just thought of this. You know, I could tell when someone's not genuine. And that's why I think my favorite comedians, they might not be a lot of people's favorite comedians, but nobody can either genuine. Like Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, these yeah. are incredibly genuine people. I know I just named two of the most popular comedians, but I kind of just like those comics way more than Gaffigan's actually very genuine. You mentioned Jim Gaffigan earlier. He mm -hmm. is a dude who is just a silly guy who loves food and comes from a big family. <laughs> and that that's genuine though. I don't mean genuine being you have to talk about what's going on in the world and society and all that. No, I don't, I don't mean like that, but I mean, I want to believe you. I want to believe you're representing a world that you actually come from. And some comics, you know, maybe if they're trying to be one-liner or they're just trying to be too cute, I, I see through that. And yeah, even though they're doing well and the stuff's funny, I'm like, I, I know this. I don't, it's not for me. That's, that's interesting. I was, yeah, I was, I was wondering that because I feel like it, if you said no, I would have been shocked because I feel like you have to. You know, once you study something, the way you've studied it, it's got to be hard not to see it as a skill set instead of entertainment. I, I'm, I'm assuming, but again, I don't want to speak for you there. No, you're you're right. You see it as a skill set. Like I hated Carlos Mencia like er, right away, even before he got exposed. I just knew 
that there was something inauthentic about him. And that was when I was just getting into it. But then when you start to get into it and you realize what it takes to be good at it, you could tell the people who are trying to, um, I don't know, skip to the front of the line, I guess, or they're, they're just, there's a laziness too. You could see like someone has like 75% of a good idea or 75% of a good joke. And that's why, that's why audiences, not audiences, but that's why comedians started to turn on Dane Cook. I think a lot of comedians, I met him a few times and liked the guy. He's a really nice guy and I really respect what he did. Mm -hmm. But I understand also, so I'm not going to say anything ill about him, but I understand why comedians start liking him. He kind of got so big that he, he didn't get lazy and his work ethic is like, you know, hustling to get to where he got to. Right. But he started relying on the fanfare. I remember seeing him or seeing a clip or seeing one of his specials where he had this really good idea and a premise for a joke. And then the, the punchline, which you're getting excited for as a comic, because I kind of know like, all right, here's where the bait and switch comes or here's where he's going to land it. And then it was like, and you guys all know how I feel about coats, right? And I'm like, wait, wait a minute, dude. Are you, are you just doing a callback to two albums ago? Are you really, is that the end of this joke is you saying, Hey guys, remember that joke I did four years ago? That that's how this joke ends. Okay. You know, and then he, which is where I respect him though. He later had an album or a special, I should say, where he called that out a little bit in a sense. He kind of like was like, yeah, you know, and, um, but no, I, I did, I did some shows with him at the laugh factory in Hollywood when I was living out there. And yeah, nice guy. I remember some people being like, was he a dick? Do you, I think people like rooted against him. And I'm like, no. And it's weird when people are like, oh, I'm like, wait, you're mad <laughs> not right. guy? All right. right. Something you got to deal with in your own world because that's a messed up outlook. Yeah. His, uh, his skits on fighting in the grocery store was, I remember those all the time. The listening to someone else fight at the grocery store and like oh, eating, yeah. and eating the Entenmann's out of the box. That's, that's one of my favorite. That's a good skit. No, he had so many yeah, yeah. jokes. He really did. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of funny stuff. Yeah. Turning into someone else's driveway. You know, actually, no. <laughs> yeah. For that. He wanted to fight someone who uses their driveway. I yes. just got into a fight. You know, the Dairy Queen near Talcott and Higgins? Oh, yeah. Lock up, because I was like, had to go around for parking because we were going there. I pulled into someone's driveway, and this, this guy looked at me like I had just killed his puppy. And I remember rolling down the window and being like, hi, man. Because I was like, what are you doing? Like, he was trying to intimidate me into not turning into his driveway. And look, I don't own a driveway. Driveway people must just freak out when people use their driveway. I didn't even go yeah. over the sidewalk. I just used the one part to do a three-point turn to get out of there. Yeah, I've got a driveway and I don't see the big deal. If you got to turn around, turn around. Do, do your thing. I don't Who know. cares? That's weird. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, you go through, go through my garage door, I might have a word with you. But I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a big deal. So I've kind of transitioned, but kind of not because, you know, we're talking about how you got into comedy and stuff. You mentioned your workouts a couple of times and I wanted to ask you, you know, so managing stuff like you're, I mean, we both have two boys at home. We're both married to nurses. We covered that too. Yes. But, um, so how do you, with, with a comedian's schedule, how, like, what is, what's a day to day like to you? Like, so how do you like, how do you still write? How do you still focus? How do you still work out? And then obviously you're. I mean, you're like a stay-at-home dad during the day. Well, you've said, right? It's kind of like... I am, yeah. All right, well, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give you the pandemic one. I can't remember what life was like before this stupid thing. Uh, right. So um, wear a mask, everybody. Um, 
right now I wake up, I did it for like a week where I was waking myself up to an alarm to try to wake up before them. That way I was like more ready for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that wasn't playing that well. So they're my <laughs> alarm clock now. And, you know, they wake up in like the seven o'clock hour or seven ish, you know, and the, the two of them never wake up to like, you know, sometimes one will be up maybe half an hour before the other wakes up, and, you know, I wake them up. And, um, basically the one-year-old typically wakes up first. And what I'll do is he's a, he's he's a very happy kid. I'm very lucky. I will give him a couple toys to play with. I keep him in the crib, and there's a bathroom. My sons are have the two bedrooms upstairs. Our bedrooms on the first floor, and there's two bedrooms upstairs, and there's a bathroom between them. So I'll give him like just a couple little toys to play with. This little book thing he likes, and then I take like a five minute shower. And what I do it's maybe four and a half minutes because I play like one song and I usually check how long the song is. So it's pretty quick shower. The last like two minutes of the shower or maybe minute and a half, I go full cold blast. And Uh, that kind of gives me a whoosh. And then I'm like, let's go. And I I like say like, uh, let's kick ass today. You know, I do like a really like, let's go baby. You know? Yeah. And, um, And then, you know, I, then I, you know, change his diaper or I change his diaper right away. Actually. I'm not letting him sit in shit. And then usually that around that time, my three-year-old's up and then we go downstairs, you know, I make breakfast for him and stuff like that. Uh, the one-year-old's pretty easy cause he's all his stuff's healthy cause he'll eat whatever. And then my three-year-old son, it's kind of like a debate. What do you want? How about, how about you know, wheat toast and peanut butter? How about this? Luckily, like, like I, th- I think we, again, sorry, everyone, we mentioned this yesterday when we were talking, <laughs> if you're a parent out there and you're like, I can't get this kid to eat healthy. Yes, it, it could be tough sometimes, obviously, because you want their kid to eat healthy and then their grandparents give them horrible things and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you just, you know, they're luckily nowadays, there's healthy substitutes for things. He likes waffles and he likes syrup. All right. Well, no high fructose corn syrup in that syrup, right? Yeah. Getting that away. And we're going, you know, sugar free, natural. So there's luckily there's things you could do there. So anyway, and then the course of the day is playing around a little bit. I got the TV on, but both of them aren't like, it's not like on all day. We'll watch some stuff together. They're pretty cool about, I could turn the TV off and at no point will they be like, eh, you know, well, I don't know. I haven't turned anything off. Like I'm like a dick like that or anything <laughs> that now, but watch, I'll turn something off and they'll be like, Hey, usually it's PBS kids. I usually have on an occasion. I'll throw a movie on Disney plus. And then we're just running around and playing stuff like building things and, like my son has this Lego boat, but for some reason he wanted it to fly. So I was flying that around the room today. So that's the running around. And then, you know, go for a walk with them, put them in the stroller and all that kind of stuff. I'll let the three-year-old get out of the stroller and walk like the last block. But usually I try to keep them in there because I'm walking my dog at the same time. Mm. And I love my dog, but she barks at everybody. She used to be the, a dog where if I'm walking and another dog's there, I'd be like, yeah, let's have our dogs meet. That as soon as my kids were born, she's not that dog anymore. She's so overprotective. She knew when my mm. wife was pregnant and we would take her to the dog park. If other dogs got near my wife, she would be like, Ur. like she was, she's become right. full out guard dog, which is a good thing, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, we eat lunch and then after lunch, I'll put them both down for a nap right around the same time. Luckily now they kind of nap or naps are sync when they weren't in sync. That was rough. And then when I put them down um, today, what I did was I cut up a clip from my last podcast to upload to YouTube. So I cut that up 
which isn't too hard to do. But then I make like a customized thumbnail because you do that to help your videos pop on YouTube. And I have apps to do that. I'm not like a graphic designer. So it usually takes me a little bit longer. Um, I answered some emails, a lot of, a lot of clerical work as a comedian. And I'm sure in your line of work too, it's, you know, someone hit me up today about, Hey, you want to do these virtual comedy shows? What would you charge? So I'd like email them back. And then mm-hmm. I got really into like talking about the Cubs on Twitter. So I'm, I'm talking with some Cubs blogs about doing some writing for their website. So I was kind of doing that back and forth. Then after I got that done, cause I really had to get the YouTube video thing done. I come downstairs, I have an exercise bike. Oh, you know what I did for uh, lunch? We were talking about vegan. I, um, I went, we just got a Costco membership and I bought a, like a thing of eight or eight to 10, I think 10 comes of those beyond burgers. You ever have those? Okay. Yeah. They're, my wife, my wife eats them. Yeah. I grilled them up today. They're pretty easy to grill. And they're good. Yeah. I liked them. They're pretty good. I threw cheese on them. So it kind of negated the vegan part of it, <laughs> Right. but it was a good, it was a good burger. So it was like, like 20 grams of protein. So I felt good after it. Um, you know, sometimes after a burger, you feel a little bit like, eh, I didn't oh, feel yeah. that way at all. I do 20 no. minutes on the bike and then I just, I have the, the weights and I do a bunch of different like weight stuff. I don't have a kettlebell. Can you explain to me the kettlebell? I feel is like a new phenomenon of the last couple of years. It's definitely risen in popularity. It's new, right? Part of it is just that it's new. Okay. I mean, well, the kettlebell is not new. The kettlebell is very old. Kettlebell what? being popular is, is newer for sure. Yeah. The, the thing with the kettlebell and the reason that from a biomechanic standpoint, people like it is the way you hold the kettlebell becomes a connection of your arm. Ah. So it's a, it's a different leverage point. I'm not saying that's why most people use it. Most people use it because it's, it's new and flashy. And, but there's actually an education to it that, that you don't have with a dumbbell. So I, most people probably believe that if they're using a kettlebell, they feel more advanced too. They probably feel a little, a little farther along the spectrum if they're using a bell. So and for Inesha, we are, so next month we're launching a kettlebell class. Oh, nice. And we've been hesitant to do it because doing swings and snatches and doing some of these more complex things, just using it as a weight, then there's no difference. If you're just squatting with it, then you can grab a dumbbell. There's really, weight is weight. You're just, it's external load. It really doesn't matter. The kettlebell just, it gets held a little better, but. Basement ceilings are tall enough for like the kettlebell. I'm going to be knocking some stuff. Overhead stuff. Well, then you couldn't do overhead dumbbell presses either, you know, so. I don't, I don't do those. Well, I mean, I guess if I got a bench, I could, I don't have a bench. Neil. You know, I kind of do the, the lunges with the bells. I do oh, yeah. the lunge bells. I'll, I mean, I do push-ups. I, I probably should be doing more sit-ups and crunches, but I'll be honest. I'm just not no, I don't do that. fans of those at all. No, it's, I mean, that's, and we'll, we all, we'll, we can maybe save that, but, uh, but yeah, no, stay away from. Okay, oh, we're going to anyway. do a part two. Um, yeah. Well, three. Probably. Yeah. Three. Well, <laughs> once to record at least. No, I'm kidding. So I've been eating healthier and trying to take tips from healthiness and back to your whole thing. You listen to podcasts and you're reading nonfiction and looking for like inspiration and education. I think I kind of do the same things to keep my energy. Cause you know, we know as dads, a three and a one-year-old, we both have the same age children. That's a, they're exhausting. And I just never was a coffee guy. I hate the taste of coffee. I've tried it a million different ways. If you watch one documentary, you know, you'll never want to drink Coke again. If I'm yeah. desperate, I'll have a diet Coke, but I don't keep them in my house. Like if I'm out in the world, like at a restaurant, I'll be like, you know what, fine. But I haven't been at a restaurant in, I don't even know how long. I yeah, went to right. one for our anniversary was in July. We went to a, a restaurant that was had like outdoor seating and that's it. But anyway, like I just, I don't like coffee. So I, that's the part of the cold shower was just a way to like shock the system to kind of get me up. And then I got to eat right to 
sustain that because I don't want to crash and burn. Although right around bath time, I'm usually like, my wife better not be like coming home because I'm, <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. Um, so I, and I want to ask you, so how'd you get started on the cold showers? Because I'm a, I do the same thing. Well, you tell me first, how'd you get into those? Maybe we, maybe we came across the same source. This guy, Jim Quick. No, I don't know that. He's, no? he's uh, I, it's so weird. I feel like huh. I have to mention he's Asian to make him more of an expert. I don't know. <laughs> okay. People you like trust with certain things. This yeah. is just anyone. This is a positive towards one's race. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. Uh, did you guys find out if you're having boys or girls? We did. I had to know. I'm a planner, man. I had to know. I didn't want to know because no one, all my family is a big believer in like, ah, oh, that's the only surprise left in the world. And, you know, and there's no right or wrong. Everybody listening, do what works for you. If you want yeah. to find out, for I won't sure. push anyone one way or the other. But I remember we were in line at like a babies are us or something. And the woman, this woman behind us was like, Oh, you're having a boy. And we're like, oh, actually, we don't know. And she's like, you're having a boy. And she was like an old, big black woman. And I said to my wife, I go, for some reason, I believe her, but any other type of person, I just don't trust. I think she has wisdom. <laughs> I just believe in her. And she was right. You know? And again, I've, I've told my black friends this and they always go, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They don't, they're like, yeah, man, sure. You could say that. That's not, that's a positive buddy. I'm like, All right. there's, an, there's an intuition there somewhere. There you go. So this okay. guy quick, he had like this thing I, I came across on YouTube where it's like, like 10 things that you should do in the morning. And I don't do all 10, but the main ones I do that have 100% helped me in so many ways, as far as like mental health goes, especially, especially being a comedian where you always feel like you have to be like on top of things, like what's happening in the world and this, that, and the other, and we get consumed by social media. I don't check my phone. I mean, I'll check the time and the weather, but I don't like open social media apps like the first hour of the day. And cause I was bad. I'd wake up and immediately I'd wake up in the middle of the night at three in the morning, dead tired. My dog rang the bell. So I had to let her out to, to pee and poo. And then I'd come back to bed and open my phone. And there's no information I need at three in the morning. I'm just doing it because it's this awful habit. Right. Yep. And, and so many people I know do that. They wake up and the first thing they do is they reach over, open their phone up and start scrolling Facebook. And he talked about you're immediately putting your brain in like a reactive state. Mm -hmm. where you're just scrolling being like, oh, that idiot with his stupid posts. Oh, this guy again with that. Or, or, oh, she looks ugly. You know, you just get in this weird, like judgy and your brain is just reacting to all you're seeing. And I'd catch myself every now and then where I'm like, I'm mad immediately. I just saw a post from someone that's like not true or I don't like what they had to say. And I'm, I haven't even gotten out of bed yet and I'm angry. And it's just like, this is not healthy. So I, I ditched that. Then he had other little tips and tricks. He had like a, you know, a smoothie thing. He had like a recipe for, and you know, some cool stuff like that and exercise and reading. He reads in the morning, which I think is a, a nice thing to do. It really gets the brain going. But the cold mm -hmm. shower thing was he was a big believer in that. Uh, and yeah. what gets like the brain receptors going. And this dude even brushes his teeth with the opposite hand. Like he had like all sorts of little tricks. And I, I liked the cold shower one. I didn't like it at first, but then I, I kind of made myself stand in it where it's like, no, let's get this. And then it, yep. it put myself like in a mindset of like, oh, I'm going to have a great day. It's I, I do it every day. There was a, a three month span where I didn't ever use warm water. And then I fell out of it and now I'm doing what you're doing and that's what I'm doing. So I, yeah, I take my normal shower. And then what I do though is before the soap is off, I turn it cold. Cause then I have to get under there to get all the soap off. But 
There's a, his, his name is Iceman Hoff is his Instagram name. He's got a book that I read and I'm blanking on the name, but I'll send it to you. Dude, you should start a book club. We could, yeah, we could definitely do that. That could be part of the community <laughs> you guys do too. Incorporate yeah. in the community aspect of what you guys are doing. Yeah, now, God knows, yeah. Books the other day when we were talking and I've seen you reference books on your, um, on your Instagram and stuff. And I'm always like, damn, man, he's got some stuff. I know you read Extreme Ownership, which I, I, I own that book as well. Great that book. book I've actually quoted the other day about why there's a part of that book to me that shows that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player ever. They don't say yeah. about Michael Jordan, but they talk about those their yeah. crews and how about how that leader from the one team, when he left to take over the bad team, his team was still great. And they said, cause they had him. And I use that as an example of why the 93, 94 bulls were so great. If you took that same roster and they hadn't played the, three previous seasons with Jordan, they're okay, but they had played the three previous seasons with the greatest basketball player ever. So they were damn near championship caliber, even though they weren't playing with him anymore. And so I, like I always that. use that story that they tell in that book as a reference to that. I, I like that. And yeah, great book. Great, great, great book. Yeah. No, but I now send you the other one too. You mean it no, 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 you're good. Cause you're, and you're right. I, well, and I also though, I'm also really good at buying books at a rate that I can never finish them. You know, so if I finish a book or two a month, I probably buy seven or eight. Like it's, I'm stupid. But uh, my wife's always like, can you just stop buying books until you read like the the 30 that are still on the shelf? But I, yeah. but I don't. Our wives would get along very well, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah. I think so too. <laughs> I think so too. Well, uh, but yeah. about the, the Iceman wrote this book about, um, you're saying? And it's all about cold therapies pretty much, but, and it goes to a, a million of them. But ever since reading that book, and again, I'm blanking on the title. That's when I started getting to to the cold showers and I love it. And it does. I feel so much better. And if it's my showers are always tied to my workouts. I just, I can't work out and then go on with my day. I just, I feel terrible. So typically it's in the morning. So the days where I work out in the morning and shower and take the cold shower, I don't think about caffeine for, for quite some time. And it's not even on purpose. It's not like, but if it does, it replaces it for me. So if at all possible, I do the cold shower in the morning. I'm a huge fan. I really, I, I wish everybody would get on board with this. I, I, I heard it's like, tough. back in the day, I remember there was a Seinfeld episode where Kramer was like, I take cold showers. He's like, aren't those for psychotics? And you know, like <laughs> it's, I don't know where it got such a bad name. I mean, it is, I, that's why I've told people start warm and then just do it the last two minutes. If you don't want to stand under there for seven or eight minutes or however long you take a shower. Yeah. But what I liked about it too, was it made me just get clean faster with a hot shower, I feel like you get those moments where you're just like standing under the water for like seven minutes, not doing anything. Yeah. It's so cold. You're like, all right, I'm washing my feet now. I'm washing my ass now, you know, or whatever order you do. You do you. Yeah. But like, you know, yeah. you're, it, there's not a whole lot of um, twiddling your thumbs. If you're someone no. go and you need to use your time wisely, I think it's the best way to do it. No, and I feel, I, me personally, I feel cleaner too. Something about the cold just I feel it's like a crispness is the only word I can use for it. I like that. But uh, yeah, I love it. it. It stimulates your nerve endings. It stimulates. It actually does. It's similar to exercise where it's a controlled stress response. So where there's emotional stress and unknown stress, like you run, you know, you, you get hurt. That's different. The body, that's a foreign stress and the body really freaks out with that. Exercise is a controlled, a controlled stress. Knowing you're about to turn the water cold, you're, you're, your body is stressed by it. So it has like a really positive response to it, to fighting through it, but it also isn't seen as like a foreign invader. So it has this nerve and hormonal response. That's really good. And it actually helps you to just like exercise. It can numb you to the responses of foreign stress 
when you when it does happen. Oh, I like that. So okay, not only does it have, yeah, it has, so it has the acute response right away like you have. You feel more awake, you feel stimulated, you feel clean. But if you do it consistently, it'll also have these other long-term positive stress benefits. See, I'm digging that. That's what's fun about talking to you. You give the short-term and the long-term, which is, is fun to know both. <laughs> it, it, well, because it keeps you yeah. thinking, all right, this is, this is something I really need to keep doing then. All right, yeah. let me ask you this then. I was thinking about motivating like how people need to get motivated in different ways. And I was working on a joke that I should probably, once comedy is where I could work on it a lot more. Because with stamp comedy, that's another thing. This is more for your listeners. My listeners, I think, know this. I've talked about the process of stamp comedy a lot. Is any comedy special you've ever seen, the comedians worked on those jokes a million times, you know, because you could always add new tags to them. You could, you know, change the punchline. It helps you segue into another thing. So I was trying to do a joke loosely based off a friend of mine. And a friend of mine who's this very overweight guy, he showed me a picture of himself when he was like 19. He's probably almost 40 now, but he was like 19 and he was big maybe like 280 pounds or something like that. And, and not like a football player, 280, like a, a, a bad 280. And then he showed me a picture of himself when he was like 21, like two years later. And I was like, Oh, this is the guy I know. I go, what, how the hell did you do it? Maybe it wasn't in two years, but whatever. I go, how'd you lose the weight? And he goes, dude, I was working in a mall and I saw these really attractive girls walk by and I saw them kind of glance at me and then just like, look the other way like almost like they're disgusted slightly you know and I go well that sucks that's a horrible feeling yeah. was, you know what man I had this really bad feeling that if I didn't do something now I was going to die a virgin and so it just motivated me and I'm like you know what that's like something maybe like you know how right around fifth grade they have all the boys going one classroom all the girls going another classroom as part of like sex ed they yeah. get like a model come in a male model a female model or on both. Cause you know, don't assume sexuality anymore and be like, Hey, you see these pretty people. Well, if you keep stuffing your face with ho-hos and ding-dongs, you're not gonna be able to bang them. You're going to want to bang them when you get older. Trust us on this one. So let's start, start eating apples. Let's start, you know, getting some uh, broccoli into that diet. And then you, you too could maybe have a chance. Obviously that's ridiculous, but like, I think any little thing to joke with land though. Self, yeah. I have, we have a, a mutual friend of ours. I won't say the name though. I recommended that documentary and I'm sure you've seen it. Game Changers. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. yeah big fan. And, and at first he was kind of like, dude, I don't want to see another documentary that tells me not to eat meat. And I was like, all right, but I'm telling you, man, it's not so much about the meat. It's about the results. Also mm-hmm. going to get the best boners of your life. Cause remember <laughs> that one scene with the college football? Oh yeah. Players? Yep. That yeah. Was- they're all laughing, but it's true. Yeah. Right. Well, here's a little backstory for people. If you have not seen Game Changers, I believe it's still on Netflix. It is. The, yeah, the one doctor who wrote a book called Eat to Live, mm-hmm. Dr. Mark Furman, Furman? I don't know what it is. Furman, it's a yeah. last name. He had these college athletes in, and they, like, wore a device around, you know, their package. And basically, it measured, like, what their penis did during their sleep. And that one meal, they had like a vegan meal. They ate like plant-based stuff the whole day and they measured it. And then they had a day where they ate their normal, you know, meat and potatoes diet. And the difference was just, they were laughing so hard, these guys. Yeah. When the doctor said, your erection was 400% harder. They were like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, they're all, I was, we're giggling too. And we're both serious guys. And I remember just being like, this should be in everywhere. This, if you, if you put this in commercials, 
so many people because it, unfortunately our culture is that of shallow and superficial. So people immediately will be like, oh, really? You mean to tell me kale will give me big boobs? Like stuff like that. I feel yeah. like should need to be advertised. Good health makes every human system more effective. Everyone. So, and not, and again, I'm not here to say that meat, I eat meat. I, I have not, I've not gone vegan. I've decreased it significantly, partially because I'm married to a vegan. So part of it, you know, we shared meals and that just naturally decreased. But then it happened because I realized I'm feeling better as I eat less meat. So maybe I should continue down this path. So it's not just about the meat. It's also about the lack of nutrients that we, that we don't get. So when you add nutrients to your system and you decrease foods that inflame your system and leave you in this, it's called the buffering zone where the body's just fighting to get these negative things out of your system. And it's draining all of your fuels to make that happen. When you're always in that state, nothing else works well because you don't have the capabilities. You don't have the nutrients, the vitamins, you don't have the blood flow, literally in this case, in this example, but you don't have it. Your, your, your body does not do well. It's not multitasking. It's not a multitasker. It's going to do one thing really, really well. So if you want to do things well, you can't put the body in a state where it's constantly trying to buffer out your negative eating. Can't do it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where I think as, you know, we're both guys who love being Americans, of course, but I think culturally <laughs> there's just so many things where, and that's part of the whole broadening our horizons that I think both you and I have done a lot of, mm -hmm. um, you know, post or as we've gotten older, as we've gotten older, I think, you know, we've kind of are like more curious about things. That's why I love about being a comedian. I've met people from all different walks of life that I never would have met had I not gone into this world. And the same with you, you know, I'm sure you didn't go into college thinking I'm going to do this. You met a roommate who inspired you and you got into that world. And, and through that, you were like, I got to keep gaining this knowledge. And I think that's great. I, I think more people would be happier if they did that. And I really wish, like, I'm trying to get to where, how do we get the average person to get on board with stuff? And unfortunately, sometimes you have to sell them. You got to sell them a little bit of like, hey, sex sells. But uh, it's because something's got to change culturally with us. I, I, yeah. I think we're ever going to have siestas, unfortunately. I had a, you mentioned them earlier. I had a friend who lived in Argentina for a year and her and her husband were telling me how amazing it was. And I'm like, really? The whole country shuts down from, from one to four. Everyone takes a nap. And then like, that sounds amazing. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty great. Damn, why can't we do that here? Yeah. And, and not just daily fiestas. And I'll go back to the motivation question you had because I want to get, oh, no, no, because I want to get back to that because I like that. It's a good topic. But, uh, you know, the same, the same guest, David, the guy from Equinox who talked about genetics, we talked about in fitness, we call it periodization, where you can't just go balls to the walls every day, 365 days a year. You can't do it. Your body can't maintain that. So you have to do these periods where you take time back, you take it back. You don't go sedentary, but it's a very, it's a, these light weeks, four weeks, whatever it might be. Athletes do it naturally. When football season ends, everyone, no one does anything for a month. The body's got to, got to take a rest back. Yeah, right. They golf. It's something that's both physically and mentally destimulating. There's in Europe, every August is like an agreed, like nothing. I know people don't work. But they have this period where the brain gets to say, I'm going to cool off. I'm going to destimulate. I get a reset button. So whether you're doing it daily or, or more often, you got to work these, these periodized de-stressing periods of time into your life. Otherwise, you're, you're going to break down. And 
Americans are the worst, the worst at it's, it's this wrongful pride, these badges of honor of, I don't have to sleep and I can work so hard. I'm working harder than you. I'm working harder than everybody else. I'm the hardest worker there. I'll sleep, and I'm, dead. And I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. And I'm killing myself to do it, but it doesn't matter because I'm going to be successful. And that's, what's really important. Well, you're right. Because now you really, you are going to die sooner because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah because you are. So yeah, it's the siesta thing, the, the European yearly breaks, it's crucial. You got it. And so when I, when people come to me and say they're stressed all the time, like, yeah, you have to for, you can't, it won't just happen on its own. It won't. Cause always you stay like you do every day, every day you're thinking about what, what can you do next? What show can I start planning for? What joke can I write? Who can I collaborate with? Like, there's always something. If you don't force a break, it's not going to happen by itself. So you got to force it. You got to find a way to work it into your schedule and say, I have a good idea. I'm going to write it down, but I'm not going to work on it until next week. Yeah, when I filmed my last hour at the end of January, I had on my calendar the first two weeks of February, nothing. And um, my son's birthday was middle of February. So I'm like, after that week, then I'll start to get back into the grind of things. Yeah, you got to set a, a time aside for that. And as far as like that grind, I've been really trying to preach to people. And this is all stuff I've learned over the last couple of years since becoming a dad. Things I wish I knew way before becoming a dad. Cause I think I've been way better off for it, but I mean, that's part of it. You got to learn, you know, right. is to enjoy the process. If you could fall in love with the process, I think that's really big mm -hmm. because like, I now love the process of trying to come up with a new hour. I then film the hour. I put it out there. What happens happens because too many people, they focus on the thing and they don't enjoy themselves while they're working towards that thing. They then get that thing and they're like, all right, what's next? So it's nonstop chasing and they're never truly happy. And that's, and I, I see that I've seen really talented people lose their minds because they're never in the moment. They're never present. And you know, those are the people who will turn to drugs in the entertainment industry, sadly, because yeah. they're always like, what's next, what's next. And I'm like, well, it's good. It's good to have a goal. Goals are great. You know, we've talked about that throughout this podcast. Goals are great, right. but you got to enjoy the ride. You have to enjoy the process. Have to. You have to learn to, you know, what I've loved about a lot of the stuff I see you post where it's like, I woke up, I didn't want to, I didn't want to work out today, but I found time. I went up to the garage, I did this. And now I feel so much happier that I did that. It's like stuff like that. You got to find the motivation and then enjoy the process. Like, in, so I, I, yeah. writers I know are the people who are like, I like the finished product, but I got to make sure I enjoy myself along the way. If I enjoy the process, yes. the finished product ends up being better. You, you have to, and, and Kobe had a really cool quote on that too, Kobe Bryant. But motivation, we, we did a segment, my, my business partner and I, at some point about motivation being a bad thing. And here's the spin that we had on it. Motivation is fleeting. Your buddy that, you know, was at the mall and, you know, had the negative experience. For him, good for him. Good for him that he, that he took that all the way to the finish line because that's rare. For most people, the next day would have been, I bought the gym membership and I killed myself on the treadmill and then a month went by and I realized I'm still paying for gym membership and I canceled it. If we wait for motivation, if we wait for those mall moments to happen and you only work hard when motivation's at its highest, when you are like those days, you're like, I'm going to crush today. If you wait for those moments to happen, you're going to have 20 good days a year. That's it. That's, that's what you're going to have. That's the only days that you work that hard. I don't care what your goal is. It's not, it's not happening. And any goal that happens in that time period is not a, it's not a challenging goal. So you have to create motivation. You have to put the log on the fire. 
something might have started the fire, but if you don't keep throwing some logs on there, the fire is going to die. So the days like where, where I don't want to work out and I say, I'm going to get a half an hour shitty workout in. It's not a good workout, but because I got something in now, I'm like, well, you know what? If I could force myself through that today, I can get through my 50 emails that popped up today. I can get through that confrontational conversation with a member that I've been trying to avoid, but I just needed one. I needed one log in the fire to get me to the next one. And the next day I'm going to wake up and I'm again, I'm probably not going to feel like I want to do everything I'm going to do. But if I just mark one off the list, that's it. That's all it takes for me to get to level one. So motivation is great, but don't wait for motivation. Create your own. If you create your own, then you're just better off for it. I also like the idea that there's like levels, you know, and part of like baby steps and all that kind of stuff. I just have a great idea for motivational poster that I might, I'll, I'll sell to gyms across uh, the country <laughs> where it's like a Mario brothers thing. And it says, Hey, there's no warp whistle in this game. You know, like you got to beat level one, two, three, if you want to get to level eight here, there's like no, that. there's no skipping worlds. And I think I like that's that what we have to think about, you know? Um, and you're right. I like the idea. Like if I could get this done, then I can get that done. If I get, you know, but you have to, you have to take things one, one thing at a time. I believe, I think that's key. Yeah. General McChrystal, have you ever heard the General McChrystal, or McChrystal, I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, but it's the, the it went viral. It's the famous, um, make your bed speech, make your bed, yeah. make your bed speech. It's the same idea. Mark something off your list first thing in the morning. It's not significant. It's not, but you got the ball rolling on your task list. I love it. It's a great, so if those who haven't listened to it, I'll put it in the show notes too, but you got it. That's a great one. Make your bed in the morning. I make the bed, but then I'm looking around at a basement that has toys everywhere and <laughs> I, I'm self. I'm, they're just going to mess them up tomorrow. They're just going to mess them up. <laughs> I know. You know what? They can stay right there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it's the basement. I mean, for cleaning them. Cause then they'll be like, Hey, where'd this toy go? I left it right here yesterday. Yeah. I, would, I knew where it was. Yeah. Cause I couldn't find my guys. I'm like, <laughs> Hey, where's, where's, uh, where's the red power ranger. And they're like, you left it all over the place. So I cleaned it. I'm like, well, now I can't find it. Cause you clean yeah. better when it's a mess. <laughs> and dude, this is great talking to you, dude. I, I, I learn a lot and it, it's a fun back and forth because, again, I learn a lot, man. I really do learn a lot. And uh, and I think hopefully my listeners got a lot of value out of this. Hopefully your listeners, hopefully I gave them a few laughs. I know I wasn't trying to be really funny, funny, but I was, you know, because I was more like trying to tell my story about, yeah, dude, this is what I do as a dad. Um, yeah. No, I, I know people are going to appreciate this one. This is, it was a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. Don't forget to tell your wife about Darren Oline and Shakeology. This, oh, is, my, this, this is my reminder. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and for everyone, yeah, just so you know, this, this was great. And yesterday was awesome too. And it's, and again, it's just mine and Joe's you missed it. Yeah, I know you guys missed a good one. Oh, <laughs> you know what? They're, we're not stupid anymore. They're stupid for having missed it. They yes. Figured out a way to get us to record it. Uh, Mike, tell my listeners where they could find you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Mar health and performance M A R is, uh, and it was actually named after my father, my late father, Mario. That's our Instagram handle and Facebook. So you can find uh, the company on that one. Lifestyle underscore podcast is my Instagram. I do most things through that. And then I have the same, same title for my Facebook page. So that's awesome. Yeah. And yours. Yeah, please. Of your great podcast. You guys just check my YouTube. I pretty much post, I've got over three hours of stamp comedy content on there. Plus some other fun videos, podcast clips. It's just youtube.com slash Joe Kilgallen. And um, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok is just my name on all those. And I, I post pretty frequently on all three of those. Although Twitter has become mostly um, baseball related stuff. So if you don't like baseball, you could skip it. Yeah. <laughs> if you love it, come on board. 
Yeah, well, we got a lot of those. And I, I always, when you have shows and stuff, I always try to share it. So people that are on my Instagram, keep an eye out because you, it's funny stuff, man. It's legitimately funny. Your post today was was funny. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate so, it. So, yeah. And I wouldn't even say what it was. Everyone, you got to go. You got to go check them out to see it. Check out that Instagram. Check out that gram, kids. Go see it. Brother, good stuff, man. This was awesome. All right. Thanks. It was so much fun. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast. Find more episodes like this at www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com and visit www.marhealthandperformance.com and at marhealthandperformance on both Facebook and Instagram for more great content and information about programs. Have a great day and see you next time.